Welcome to the Baru Podcast, a modern lifestyle podcast for dogs and their people. I'm your host, Charlotte Bain. Well, we are right in the middle of allergy season, you guys. And in today's episode, I chat about how we can combat yeast and allergies in our dogs with canine nutritionist Hannah Zalueta. If you have a dog that struggles with allergies like I do, you know how challenging and frustrating it can be. We chat about how we can address allergies in our pups through food nutrition and why feeding our dog a variety of different foods is so important for their gut health and in turn can help their allergies. There's even an appearance by her new ridiculously cute puppy, Mr. Higgins. So let's get to the chat. So today, um, thanks again for jumping back in with me. It's nice to see you again. I want. I thought we could really just delve into yeast and allergies, especially because I think that's a one of your specialties, and um, b the summer, spring, and summer months are all, always just really tough for our dogs. I know that from experience with my own guy. Yeah. Um, but how we can combat yeast and allergies, you know, using food nutrition and supplements, and, absolutely, and seeing how. If we can avoid, obviously, there's a time and place for um, antihistamines and um, other medications. But if we can try to get on top of them without using things that might have potential side effects, that's always a really good idea, right? So um, do you want to jump in? Yeah. I would love for you to just kind of talk a little bit about your background, because I know you kind of were in the beginning, like something deep in your core guided yeah. you to doing um, uh, nutrition and alternative ways of uh, healing dogs through nutrition and supplements. And um, before you even did any formal training, you were doing this. So I'd love to hear a little yeah. bit more about that. So I'd always been interested in, thank you for having me back. On yeah. I'm so, I'm, thank you for, <laughs> thank you for joining me. It's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I'd always been interested in dogs and dog food and I actually grew up feeding them raw. And it wasn't any sort of academic way that we were feeding them. We grew up in Papua New Guinea, and we didn't have kibble. So I didn't actually see kibble until I came to the United States, and I was in high school. And I remember my dad dropped me off at the kibble line at Walmart, and it was two rows on either side of me of kibble. And I chose kibbles and bits because it was a big blue bag and I really liked the dog and I was fascinated with a different colored kibble and I thought this is how the Americans do it so this is how we have to do it. Fast forward to um, having dogs that never had issues, always fed them kibble and then I got Maggie and that was Mm -hmm. seven years ago and she had allergies at eight months and I remember going to the vet and they gave me Apoquel for her itching. Mm-hmm. I got home and I went on Dr. Google. I looked it up and I said, right. wow, this has more risks than I like. And I've always been more of a natural person myself. And I think that came about, again, growing up in Papua New Guinea, we didn't go to the doctor. We learned how to fix ourselves through food or ointments. Right. <laughs> joke. I don't know if um, you remember that what, that movie, My Greek Wedding, My, my Big my big fat Greek wedding. My big fat Greek yeah. wedding, where the father had um, 
what is it? The wind cleaner Windex for everything. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh Uh-huh. And so the Filipinos had, my dad had this ointment. Every time the kids had any sort of problem, he's like, come here, let's put this ointment on you. And Do you remember uh, what the ointment was? Liberal. So it was liberal and it was out of Switzerland, but it was kind of like the version of Tiger Bomb because Tiger Uh Bomb was banned at some point. Oh, interesting. So if we had Tiger Bomb, it would have been Tiger Bomb tiger bomb but it was something that smelled like that and i remember being a child running away from him like i don't want that stinky stuff on me but anyway i remember going through giving maggie the apoquel and said well my vet said to do this i trust my vet but then what happened was she still had allergies and so i realized something else is going on let me see what i can do to help her and right. I just did my own research, and at that time I was feeding Taste of the Wild, and I switched to home cooking. And prior to her, I had another dog um, that I was feeding commercial raw, and it was just the thaw and serve. Right. I didn't know how to do it, so I thought, okay, I'm just going to buy the food. And so with Maggie, I was cooking the food, finding recipes online, on Pinterest of all places. We didn't have the social media Uh, personalities, nutritionists, vets talking about dog food seven years ago that became more popular, I would say the last two years. And so I started to do it, bought books. I even would give my books to all my friends and I would say, here, you got to learn how to cook for your dog. And, you know, my books would be all everywhere with all my (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, even though we had the internet, you still bought books. Yeah. And, um, I remember Orbit came along and her breeder weaned her onto raw. And so Orbit's breeder taught me how to feed raw. But a year and a half later, Orbit had yeast. So I had one dog that had environmental allergies. And on the other hand, another dog that had yeast. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at them both and sitting in the office saying to myself, I need to figure out, I need to learn how to do this properly because clearly something is not right. Right. And so my boyfriend, bless his soul, he's always my voice of reason, doesn't know anything about food and even told me if something ever happened to you, I don't know what I would do. I would <laughs> feed the girls. And so he said to me, he's like, are you done experimenting now? And are you ready to go see a professional? Mm-hmm. And that was one of those core moments where I looked at him and I was like, you know, I've got that spirit if I want to figure everything out for myself. I'm like, yep, I need professional help. So I looked in the local directory, found Dr. Katie Kangas. Oh. A very good vet here locally, um, integrative health. And so I went off to see her. She put the girls on a detox. And it was my countertop had, I don't know, eight little bottles and it was a drop of this. You know how it goes, a drop of this, mm-hmm. a drop of that. And each dog was slightly different. So one was getting, you know, one pill. The other one was getting a half a pill, different times and did the detox. And she gave me recipes on how to cook, mm. get off raw, go uncooked. So I got uncooked and um, really self-taught. Up until um, last year, I I realized looking around the dog community that there were raw feeders and fresh feeders, and we'd all been doing this now six, seven years, 
and their dogs were getting tested, but they would have deficiencies of something or the other. Mm. And I said, clearly, we're missing something. I don't know yeah. what it is that we're missing, but we're all very smart people. And our dogs are now coming up vitamin D deficient, calcium deficient, whatever it might be. It was several friends. So I thought, okay, I need to enroll. And um, ended up getting enrolled. The owner of the company that I was working for at the time said, I'll pay for your course. And I said, okay, cool. So then a, a few of us got enrolled, took the course. And what that did was it filled in the gaps. And I'm sure you've been around food, this concept of complete and balance and raw mm-hmm. food and home feeders or cooking mm-hmm. are saying, we don't need to do complete and balance with balance over time. But there is a reason why we need to know the zinc levels and the manganese levels and how much vitamin D your dog has to eat through food and how much vitamin E your dog has to eat through food. And if you're not meeting any of those, how to safely and properly supplement. I've, right. I've got a puppy right now and I refreshed on the correct calcium to phosphorus ratio and amounts and all of that. There's a reason those exist mm-hmm. and where it's kind of like giving away my age, being middle age, we all think we're... We're not middle age. <laughs> Our <laughs> parents are middle age. Yeah. We're not middle age. <laughs> but I talk to my brothers, my older brothers, and three of them have had, well, I have three, and all three of them have had a bypass, and they talk about their mm. levels. And so when we're young and we're strong and we're vibrant, we don't think about these health issues until the health issues start knocking on the door. Right. And so I wanted to avoid that because I'm deathly afraid of going to the doctor. Yeah. So I've got a little fear motivation there. I'm like, I just want to stay healthy. I don't want to see the doctor. So I'm motivated to feed myself properly, having been um, an endurance, if you will, like marathon, half marathon runner. Oh, wow. Good for you. Yeah. And so I learned how to fuel myself properly. And I know that there's courses out there. So I became certified last year, last year's spring. Um, So I haven't been certified that long, but all it did really was I tested out all my old, my recipes that I was putting into Excel spreadsheets and I put it into Mm -hmm. the software I have now. I'm like, oh, I wasn't far off at all. It was just these little things. And so, um, yeah, so that's my background. And I want to help other dog owners learn how to do this. Um, I don't want to be the witch doctor where back in the ancient days, there was only one person that held all the knowledge and they held all the power. And if you wanted right. to talk about health, you had to go see the witch doctor and that was how they held power. No, I want to empower someone and pass the information on because the questions are going to come at 630 at night when they're putting food in the bowl or at 1130 at night when their dog threw up and they're trying to figure out why. Right. And so my my goal is not to just consult and help people feed their dogs. I want to teach them how to feed their dogs. Right. Um, and do that one-on-one. So right now it's allergy season. Yeah. It's bad right now. <laughs> As, and yeah, it started off with my clients in Vegas. Okay. So they get the summer much earlier and they get the wind and a mm-hmm. hundred degrees and it, it's just super, I mean, how hot is it in LA right now? 
I mean, it's not actually too bad right now. I think it's mid-80s, but, you know, we've definitely had our fair share of wind recently and all sorts of weird stuff. And just, you know, the dust kicks up. We haven't had rain in so long. And so it's just everybody's super itchy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, um, we're talking about the 80s, but you've got parts of the countries that are in the hundreds. And I know. layer in humidity. So... I know that yesterday I was I kept opening the fridge and eating like a piece of watermelon. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is rambutan, which is this fruit that's like a lychee and it's so refreshing. And even we change how we eat because it's so hot. And if you think about our dogs, right. Regardless of the diet that they're fed, it's kibble, the same kibble. And even if they're eating a cooked diet or a raw diet. It's the same right. recipe essentially because if you're buying it commercially, you've got five different protein choices. So how do you change the things that your dogs or or, or I call it a dietary tilt. Mm-hmm. So they've got their core diet, which is the meat, the organs, the calcium, the omegas, and then the vegetables is where you can tilt the diet left or right, mm. depending on what's going on. So I know you you see a lot of dogs. What are you hearing from your community? As far as uh, the allergies, the, yeah. as far as what's going on? Um, I can, all my dogs are itchy right now. Um, some, A few of them are yeasty, um, uh, but mostly it's just dry skin and itch. Okay. Um, and, you know, I, my clients... They, they feed a wide variety of different kinds of foods to their dogs as far as like, I mean, meaning like some dogs are on kibble, some dogs are on like a cooked delivery, some dogs are on raw, some dogs are on like a freeze dried. Um, none of my clients cook for their dog. Sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, um, but I encourage, you know, and, and a simple solution for a lot of them is to go to the vet and get, you know, just like a shot. Um and I understand because it's a quick relief, um, but I just feel like there are, especially when you have a dog that's constantly, I have a few dogs that are constantly struggling with environmental allergies as well as, um, as well as we think food sensitivities and food allergies. Um, so if we can get a handle on that by, um, you know, uh, by making some adjustments to their meal plan, Um, um, and helping them with some supplements and kind of hold off on going to the big medications if possible. Um, that's always, you know, a good way to go. Ah, there he is. (laughs) I heard him getting into his litter box. I heard, yeah, I heard him doing something over there. (laughs) I had to go check on the little guy for those that can't see. I've got an 11 week naughty little puppy that's getting into it. Really cute. Very cute. He's a Boston Terrier, right? He's a Boston oh, Terrier. Yeah. So, so cute. underlying so, all of these itchy issues is a leaky gut. And so concurrent to providing relief to the immediate allergy, we need to also concurrently address the leaky gut. And it's pretty simple. In my mind, it's pretty simple, which is what does the gut bacteria like to eat of all things fiber and so kibble has fiber all cooked and raw diets have fiber but sometimes it's not enough and so and what i find that this fiber likes to eat is either fermented vegetables Mm. not all the time you can't give a yeasty dog fermented vegetables you can give an itchy dry hot dog fermented vegetables but you 
can't give a yeasty dog. Why can't you give vegetables. a yeasty dog fermented vegetables? So it's a histamine okay. content. And and um, so then, okay, little puppy, you are being very wiggly. So then we want to address the leaky gut. We want to give the stomach something to eat. That would be vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, so giving the bacteria food by adding toppers. So if anyone has not read the Forever Dog book, it's a great book to start to understand what toppers, vegetables to feed. Um, Essentially, I go to whatever you feed yourself, share that with your dog. In the right species appropriate portions. So dogs do not need a lot of vegetables. I'm talking teaspoons, tablespoons, or I call Mm. paw print sizes. So if you look at your dog's paw print, that is the appropriate amount of vegetables to start off with and no more than four paw prints. Oh, interesting. So, I did not know that. I came up with that one day because <laughs> I kept saying 5%. They're yeah. like, well, what does that look like? And then I looked down at my dogs and the amount I was putting on their balls. And then I went, oh, it's their paw print. And it adjusts to whatever size dog. Um So you want to give your dogs vegetables, but you also want to address and heal the leaky gut. And I do that now through with my clients through vegetable broth. You'll hear bone broth, but not all dogs do well on beef bone broth or apple cider vinegar. So just even giving your dogs a vegetable broth and it's whatever vegetables you have in the fridge, stick it in the Instapot for 30 minutes. And the key thing at the end of it is add some um, L-glutamine okay. capsule that you would take for yourself. Open it up, put it in that broth, up to three capsules in an Instapot size, mm-hmm. and feed that to your dog for two, three weeks, a tablespoon or two, mm-hmm. just adding that to their meals. Um, another supplement to give them would be colostrum. Mm-hmm. And what does that so- do? So that just helps to repair the gut lining as well. And so you want to, A, stop any food that's going to trigger any reactions. B, heal the gut, strengthen the gut. And C, give the bacteria food to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not going to happen overnight. Right. It's take, you know, I have clients where I give them a four-week feeding plan and I'll say, see me in four weeks or, you know, keep me posted. And however long it took the dog to get to that condition is how long it's going to take for complete healing, if not sooner. But it's not going to heal. If a dog comes to me and they've had allergy issues for three years. Yeah. It's going to take us several months to see significant improvement. Um, and it won't take three years to, compl- to to see improvement, but it will take about three years to heal. Uh-huh. Where When I say three years to heal, it might be where instead of having to give your dog Apoquel every single month, you can start tapering it off with your vet's approval every other month, every third month. Mm. And then you get to the point where, oh, my dog no longer needs all these medications. They're just now getting all of their nutrition and their gut has healed from food. Now, I think that um, I do want to explain that with food to, if I can impart a lesson to 
any to all people who feed different kinds of diet is to look at adding variety. Where I find that people get in trouble and they call me after three, four, seven years where their dog's been raw fed, it's because they haven't added variety. They've taken the same recipe and they've essentially fed that same food for every single meal, breakfast and lunch. And I'm super guilty of that. Yes. Yeah. And so, but you can just, you can adjust that just by sharing the vegetables that you eat, going back to the paw print sizes. Mm -hmm. So you can add depth and variety that way. Because if you look at when you're eating a piece of spinach, that's going to have different phytonutrients than a piece of broccoli. And what you're doing at that point is I'm feeding the gut, the gut bacteria. Mm -hmm. So look at it that way. And then also avoid ingredients that are problematic with every single meal. So there are some food brands out there that had apple cider vinegar to every single recipe, which might be great for a short period of time, but every single recipe for three years is going to be problematic. Yeah. Another one that I find problematic for dogs, and I'm not saying all dogs, but most dogs that have allergies or yeast um, are also sensitive to mussels. And I'm seeing more food brands adding blue mussels or green mussels to meet the requirement for manganese. So removing that and um, apple cider vinegar, green tripe, those are my three culprits. That you want to remove from the diet. That I want to remove from every single meal. Oh, and for You just want it minimally in their diet. So just like occasionally. Purpose, Yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, fermented dairy. So anything that's fermented is great, but it's not great for all dogs all the time. So if you have a yeasty dog, remove anything that has high histamines, which includes fermented dairy, which is counterintuitive you know, intuitive because people always say, I thought kefir was good and raw goat's milk yeah. was good. I'm like, yes, but it, it's also very dampening food. I want to touch on the difference between allergy on allergies and yeast. So what exactly is yeast and what how does yeast present itself? So I am going to go back to my childhood in Papua New Guinea. We did not have a washer dryer. Mm-hmm. We well we did have a washer, we didn't have a dryer. We had a spin cycle. So you hung everything out in the line. So you ha- you hung a you hang a wet, wet towel out in the line and it's wet. And it dries but then the next morning, let's say a tropical storm comes in, <laughs> the towel gets wet again. But by the afternoon, because it's hot and it's an island, it dries up. But then the next morning, you forget to, to pick it up off the line and there's morning fog. And so there's this dampness. So damp and yeast is essentially excess moisture that's creating and bacteria which is opportunistic start to form a party and they're going to form a party in the ears in the paws if you think about a towel where the water is going to drip to the edges Mm -hmm. so the the problems show up in the extremities so the edges of the towel the edges of the puppy the edges of the dog you'll see that moisture first level of it is typically in the ears or the paws and you might see them licking it second level is acid bacteria grows it then starts to give off a smell right that yeasty that um frito-y yeah. musty smell yeah 
third level is there's so much bacteria, they're having a party, they've now formed into wax. And so you've got waxy paws, you've got waxy ears, and then they go, oh, we've colonized this, now we're going to move to the armpits and the belly Mm -hmm. and the tear ducts. And so there's all this excess moisture. In Chinese nutrition, when you see moisture and smell, it's typically what we call damp. Mm -hmm. So there's a dampness in the body. And dry itch, on the other hand, is you see them with pink bellies. They might still lick, but they will not emit an odor. And they won't have any wax. And their coat will feel dry. Mm -hmm. So same kind of imbalance on different ends of the spectrum to address yeast you feed food that's going to be astringent and bitter so essentially we're going to dry up that dampness kind of like taking that towel and wringing the water out so food like adding dandelion greens adding turnips um, whenever you add vegetables Think of yin and yang, below ground, above ground, hard, soft, slow growing, fast growing. If you add only the fast growing above ground, all of a sudden your dog's going to have very, very soft poo. And you're like, what happened? Did the dandelions give my dog? Yeah, well, (laughs) let's look at dandelions. They are wet. They're fast growing because they can grow anywhere, right? on sidewalks and anything they're going to grow so dandelions get into your dog's body and it's like a slippery slide and it's roller coaster Woo, we're in and then we're out right. and dog owners get confused but then i go that's exactly what the dandelion was supposed to do it's supposed to move things along so if we want to slow it down we got to add in a tuber or a root vegetable to slow things down right. when you give food to your dog that's going to drain and dry them out Food responsive dogs, you will see a change in under four weeks. Concurrent to that, though, you still do need to address the topical growth, uh, surface growth of this bacteria. So you and I could eat the healthiest diet, but if we have dandruff, we still have to use a dandruff shampoo. And so it's the same thing with our dogs. When they have a bad yeast infection and you've got, you see um, it manifests in wax, um, and odor and and dampness than an antibacterial, antifungal. There's a lot of combinations you can easily find on Amazon or ask your vet. They carry them too, typically for the same price as what you'll find on Amazon. And um, so concurrent to repairing the gut, feeding food that's going to drain and dry them out, and addressing it topically, yeasty dogs are very easily resolved Mm -hmm. that way and i say easily because dry itchy dogs are actually harder Mm -hmm. he's got what's interesting is that my dog has like a combo of like dry itchy and yeasty yeah yeah okay you can have both and so in chinese nutrition you want to kind of like it's it's like um addressing every layer and you know if i cool the dog too much i might bring dampness and if i drain the dog too much and make them dry you might bring heat Mm -hmm. so it's a fine balance of readjusting what you're feeding them just like when you eat a watermelon you instantly feel cooler yeah 
It's thinking about the food to add to our dog's diet to help them either feel cooler or get drier. Right. So watermelon snacks, peaches, high moisture, cucumber, any of those snacks will help control the temperature that he's feeling. Right. How do you address, do you address environmental allergies and food allergies differently with your... Yeah, so an environmentally allergic dog is most often also a dog that runs hot. Mm -hmm. And it's not that they run hot, they have a deficiency called yin deficiency, so they're not cold enough in the the middle. So you need to feed them cooling food like cold water fish, Mm -hmm. cod, snapper, duck, because ducks swim in the water, duck eggs. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so instead of feeding them chicken eggs, add a duck egg. And, you know, I I try to pass on the information of intuitively looking at an animal that you're feeding your dog, your pet, and going, okay, chickens are kind of busybodies. They wake up and they're click, 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 and they get into everyone's business. And did you know a chicken's heart beats 200 beats per minute? Like, they're crazy fast birds. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're a warming protein. When you feed duck, which is a cooling protein, then that energy of that duck is going to get passed on to your animal. Um, So duck and duck eggs, rabbit, cold water fish. And even if you don't change what you're feeding, so let's say you're feeding raised right Mm -hmm. or nom nom now or my ollie, you can just take out 20% and put in some cod ah. during the hot mm-hmm. you can you can do a hard boiled duck egg and put it in the refrigerator and serve it in quarters because they're bigger eggs so you don't need to feed the whole egg um, and then the high moisture treats that you can share throughout the day I'm just thinking about how much we love to eat cooling treats when it's hot and it's summer yeah And then, um, like, what are some examples of high-moisture treats? So, cucumber slices, if your dog will eat them. Um, I like to do watermelons. Okay. Um, Peaches, apples, kind of stuff that you would juice. Even if you have mangoes, see if your dog will eat a mango. (laughs) And again, we're talking small little pieces. Yeah. We're not filling the dog's bowl with mangoes or watermelons. It's just it's just that instant little uh-huh. cool boost. Right. Little additions to their food. Yeah. You also implement some – you also recommend working with a holistic veterinarian to add, you know, um, herbs and supplements. Um, but I know there are some specific supplements that you use to address um, – yeast and allergies in dogs. Do you want to expand on those a little bit? I do, but I don't because I don't want people going out and buying them. Okay. And everything that I per- do is typically personalized to the dog. Right. So if someone thinks that their dog has yeast, but they actually run hot, if they if they add the wrong herb, then you're not helping the dog. Yeah. So it's not going to hurt them. It's just, it's just, you know, a tincture of this and a drop of mm-hmm. that. But like I use cat's claw as an example and, you know, I don't 
recommend that to all dogs, and that's to help kill any yeast that's growing in the gut. Oh, a good one that I can talk about is MCT oil. So MCT oil. Is that coconut oil? Uh, it's kind, Yeah, it's a different kind of coconut oil, but it's got something in it, and it kills the candida in both humans and in um, dogs. So a quarter teaspoon, working them quarter teaspoon for a small dog up to a half a teaspoon for a 20 pound dog and then for the larger dogs maybe a tablespoon but working up slowly mm-hmm. to it because it's oil and adding that will help to kill the bacteria that's growing the the bad bacteria that we don't want growing so the bad bacteria in the gut likes to eat fiber and if we're not feeding it fiber it's going to eat the good bacteria and it grows and then it eats the stomach lining and then it grows so we want to kill the bad bacteria and the candida from the stomach got it got it so if people want to you know people are dealing with their allergies with their dogs with allergies and and how do they get in i know you offer um you offer one-on-one consultations and you have a booming online presence um, how do people get in touch with you? So through my Instagram, um, the link in the bio brings them to my web. And from there, they can book a Zoom call. And it could be as simple as one call. It could be as simple as one recipe. Or some who have bigger you know, problems might do a longer-term four-call package. I try to meet people where they're at. Um, and I, I do have a lot of free information that's on the website. Mm-hmm. I've got a yeast cleanse protocol on dailydogfoodrecipes.com. It's just not personalized to the dog. So it's a very general, see if this works for your dog, but there are some nuances that might be different. And they're very minor, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you want to personalize it as much as you can. Yeah. All right, Hannah. Thank you. I think this is great. I appreciate you joining me again. And I'm so excited for you and your new little puppy. Thank you so much. (laughs) And I will keep an ear out for when it goes live. Okay, great. Okay. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Baru podcast. I encourage you to pop on over to Hannah's Instagram at Daily Dog Food Recipes for more nutrition tips and some really fun and awesome videos. You can also follow the Baru on Instagram at Baru Pet. Tune in next week when I have a really important conversation with Jen Shriok, founder of Family Paws. We chat about the importance of creating safer, lasting relationships between our children and our dogs. So let's chat next week.